The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. morning. How are you? Good. How was Easter? Did you do anything fun? Eggs? Nice. Did you look under any chickens? No? Okay. Amanda, what'd you do? Nice. Sounds like a lot of fun. So we all celebrated Easter, right? Does that feel like it was just yesterday or a long time ago? Kind of feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, today we're talking about people. Actually, the beginning of the story happens Easter evening. So that first Easter evening. But first, I want to ask you something. What's with my shoe? It's untied. Who all knows how to tie their shoes? Some of us yes, some of us no. That's okay. That's okay. I've got questions for both sets of people. For those of you 
who don't know how to tie your shoes. Who ties your shoes for you? My daddy ties my shoes. Your daddy ties your shoes? How about you? Your mom and grandpa? Yep. Oh, grandma. Grandma and grandpa? Okay. So we all have, if we don't know how to tie our shoes, someone to tie our shoes. Now those of you who do tie your own shoes, who ties your shoes? You have to, right? Now, have you ever asked your parents, after you already knew how to tie your shoes, to tie your shoes? Yeah? What do they say? You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're kind of dealing, I'm going to tie my own shoe because I know how, we're kind of dealing with the same thing, right? Today in the gospel, and I double knot mine because mine always come undone. Today in the gospel, we have the disciples who see Jesus and they know about the resurrection. And then they see him again and they know about the resurrection. And there's kind of a question of what do we do now? Just like when you know how to tie your shoes, you have to tie them. When you know about the resurrection, when you know Jesus, now you have to act like it, don't you? So what should a person who knows about Jesus do? Yes. Pray and worship. That's a very good start. What else? Yeah. Ask for forgiveness. That's very good. We mess up a lot. Yeah. Forgiveness? That's an excellent one. I think when you first learn how to tie your shoes, you do the same motions as the person who tied your shoes for you, right? When we become disciples, when we know Jesus, we do the same things that Jesus did. It's very similar, right? So I need everybody to look at my nose. There you go. You know what Jesus did. He sat with people who didn't have many people sitting with him. He talked with people who weren't always the best. He forgave and he loved. You're to do those same things. Sit with people who don't have any friends. Love and forgiveness. Think you can do that? Does it sound tough? Yes and no? Okay. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. So you're all right. Can we pray? All right. God, we give you thanks. Give you thanks for a day where you give us life even when it's hard to see. In the midst of this Thanksgiving, we pray that just like we know how to tie our shoes, you would teach us how to be disciples. And that once we know, we would go out and we would do it. We would love. We would sit with people who have no one to sit with. We would forgive people. And that you might do these same things for us as well. In your name we pray. Amen. name of Jesus. Amen. <coughs> if you ever look 
at the lectionary for all of Easter. There are seven Sundays in Easter. From the first, which we celebrated last week, all the way to the last, which is right after the Ascension. We celebrate on the Thursday the Ascension, right before the seventh Sunday of Easter. So this is the second. If you thought Lent was long, Easter's longer. Easter's longer. But if you ever look at the ark, that the lectionary, that set of texts that we read every Sunday, if you ever look at the lectionary text for all seven Sundays, they have an ark. And so the first text that we read is the tomb. And the second text that we read, which is today, is what's often called Doubting Thomas. And the third text we read is Jesus on the shore with his disciples, which we'll read next week, helping them fish and eating breakfast with them. The other four texts that we read for the Sundays start all the way at the beginning of John and quickly sleep through. And the reason, I believe, that they do this is so that we remember all the teachings of Jesus. Because no matter which gospel you might be reading, whether this was added later or this was the original part of the text, there is an understanding that we are to go out with forgiveness and hospitality and to teach all that Jesus commanded us. And so it makes sense in looking at the Easter text. We would first talk about the resurrected Jesus and then talk about all that Jesus taught us just about as quickly as we possibly can. For me, there's two questions that I have on Doubting Thomas Sunday, and I think there's two questions that the disciples begin to struggle with on this Sunday and the next, and that is two things. One, what do we do with a resurrected Christ? Like, what do we do? It's really, really neat to see Christ the first time. The second time, I think it becomes a more concrete reality. The third time, you've got to kind of wrestle with, okay, if this is going to keep happening, if, if Christ really is resurrected for the long haul, what do we do? What do we do with the resurrected Christ? And I think what we ask as Christians, as Christians in this day and age, long, long after the ascension, is the second question, which is, what do we do when Christ, I don't really like this phrase, but is gone? Christ talked a lot about no longer being with the disciples, no longer being right beside us, being at least present in a different form. And we are people of Pentecost. We are people of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do when Christ, for lack of a better term, is gone? Two things I believe we start off with. Jesus really hits the ground running. For the first for the first part of this text, we're actually still a week behind, right? The first part of this text ha happens in the evening of Easter. And I imagine we can think about how the disciples felt very, very easily. I don't know about you, but once I got to Easter afternoon, I was very, very tired. I imagine you were too, because we do a lot of work of getting to the Easter moment. We do a lot of work of getting to Easter Sunday we do a lot of work just getting to church on Easter Sunday. And so after all that work and after all that preparation, we get to the afternoon and there might be a meal to come. There might be a meal that was already had. There was Easter baskets discovered, all that kind of good stuff. And after that, we're tired. 
just a little bit, or maybe a lot, tired. The disciples had just experienced a whirlwind of emotions. They saw their, dis their teacher, their leader, crucified, died, mourned him, and then saw him, or at least saw signs of his disappearance. And so, by the very least, on that Easter evening, on that resurrection evening, they were tired. And so go back a week ago, even though it seems a while ago, imagine yourself in that same tired state. I don't believe the disciples had just ate a bunch of ham, but if you need to remember that, remember that. So go back to that same tired state. And then imagine the appearance of Christ. Peace be with you. And they have kind of this astonishment. And then Christ says again, peace be with you. And then Christ does something weird. He teaches. This doesn't seem like a teaching moment for me, but he teaches. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And this just seems odd in my head. Because not that I have more right to be Christ. I do not. But if I were Christ and I appeared, I would just, we would still be on the subject of surprise. <laughs> Here I am. Would we not? I mean, this is significant. This is important. I am here. I am around. What do we make about this? But for some reason, it's peace be with you, peace be with you, and teaching. And it seems like Christ goes right into what do we do with a resurrected Christ? The second part of the text for today, it's now. They're again gathered in the room. It's a week later. I imagine there's been a lot of processing, a lot of thought, a lot of conversation at the very least as to what it meant that they saw Christ in a locked room. It might have been more than just Thomas doubting at that moment. It might have been that there were a lot of people a little bit confused as to what happened. But again, there appears in the room Christ with the same first words, peace be with you. And then to Thomas, look and see my hands, put your finger in my hands, put your hands on my side. Do not doubt but believe. The first time you see the resurrected Christ, it's amazing. The second time you see the resurrected Christ, it becomes concrete. And now we have to answer, what do we do with the resurrected Christ? If it's going to keep happening, if it's here for the long haul, what do we do? I believe the first two parts are hidden in our liturgy. The first two parts are something that we have said as a church we want to continue to do as practice and as pattern every time we worship. Forgiveness of sins and peace. Forgiveness of sins is a little more overt. We begin with the confession and forgiveness found in the front of your bulletin as we hear every week and then we go through that process of confessing our sins corporately, of confessing our sins internally, and then hearing the forgiveness of Christ. 
because I don't know if you're keeping score, but Jesus forgives sins a whole lot more than he retains them. And in that, in that grace, we confess and we proclaim and we do the work of forgiving those sins, the ones known and unknown, things done and things left undone, and especially the ones that we feel in our heart of hearts are retained. We do the work of forgiving them as best we can. We also pray it in pattern and practice of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In pattern and in practice. Oddly, we do the teaching that very possibly sailed over the disciples' heads the first time they heard it. We also do peace. And we do it just multiple times throughout the service, but we do it very well, I believe, here at Trinity. We do it in a way that matches what Jesus did, I believe. Some pastors and some people just are aggravated when the sharing of the peace goes on for 15 minutes or so, kind of like it does here at Trinity. But I find it fantastic. Because it's not as if Christ came down from heaven lived up until the age of 30, said, peace be with you, multiple times throughout his life, hung on a tree, was resurrected, and then left. No, it was peace be with you, it was the kingdom of God come near, and then interaction with us on our daily life level. He came to know the struggles of the people that he was around. He came to know who was sick. He came to know who was dying. He came to know who was celebrating. He came to know who was new. He came to know who was old. He knew Simeon, the one who had sat in the temple until his presentation. He knew Hannah, or Anna, excuse me, Anna, who was there as well. He knew the new people, the new who were just born. He knew the people who were younger, who were older, everybody. And in the same way, when we share the peace and also take up conversation to get to know the other person, that makes the peace seem a little bit more real. When we say, peace be with you, and follow it up with genuine conversation as a part of our worship, in pattern and in practice, we see the second part of this gospel lived into our midst. The forgiveness of sins and peace. Now, there'll be several other things we study. We remember, just like the disciples remembered, almost in a hurry over the next five weeks. Well, let's start with that. Let's start with the worldview of in all things that we do and in all things that we see. Our first and foundational approach, our post-resurrection approach, our approach of what do we do with a resurrected Christ and what do we do when Christ is gone, might be to offer for ourselves and one another the forgiveness of sins and peace. May these things be with you this week. And may you offer them to one another, to your neighbor, to the stranger. As we share them energetically and wholly with the world. Peace be with you. Amen. Thank you.
Amen.